Well, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the opportunity to share with you from God's Word. We're, we are continuing, as you just saw, this series on the book of Colossians. So today we're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 23. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. You can follow along on your Bible app, Version app. Actually, I think our church's live notes are on there as well if you look for events. And uh, I want to give you a little background. I know some of you were here uh, the last couple of weeks. Maybe you haven't been. So just a quick little background. This whole series, we're talking about how to walk. Uh, the different ways that we're walking, walking out this life with Jesus. Paul is writing this letter from jail in Rome to the church in Colos. Now, Colos is a church or is a city about a hundred miles east of Ephesus. And what is happening is the early church is starting to spread across the Middle East. They're planting churches. There's a guy named Epaphras who studied under Paul, and Paul says, "Hey, Epaphras, I want you to go. I want you to plant a church." So Epaphras goes, starts this church here in Colos, and the church starts to grow. It's flourishing, but there's some false teaching happening. They're kind of disjointed because they're a ways away from another major city and another major church. And so some false teachings are happening. And so Epaphras goes to Paul and says, listen, I need, I need you to write a letter to our church because we're getting caught up in some wrong ideals, some wrong the, you know, theological teachings, and some wrong philosophies. And so Paul writes this letter, he pens this letter, really trying to correct and strengthen the church there in Colossus. So the passage that we're looking at today um, is they're looking at, and, and what's happening is this group of people are coming on, and they're trying to pull them back into Judaism, into following the law. Also, there's some extra spiritual people who are trying to say, hey, we're more spiritual than you. And so Paul is writing this to say, listen, I want to help you live a free life. And so I want to talk to you today about how to walk a free life. Everybody say free. free. How to walk a free life. So a few years back, my wife and I are closing in on 10 years of marriage in September. Can't believe it. Crazy. A decade. She looks even better today than she did 10 years ago. Um, no, she really does. She works out more now. So, so uh, she, she would testify to that. But, but uh, it's, it's, it's a few years back. It's in our early years of marriage. And I remember there was a day where I called her up and I was like, hey, babe, I want to go play golf tomorrow with the boys. Like, are you cool with that? And I still remember her response because I'm early in marriage, but I pick up on things. And she says, that's fine. Do whatever you want. <laughs> now, how many of y'all know when your wife says that's fine, that's, you know, uh, red alert number one. Red flag goes up. And then number two, when she says, do whatever you want, you knew, you know it's a wrap. So I'm talking to you about freedom, but how many know that freedom has to be managed correctly? My wife gave me freedom. She said, that's fine, do whatever you want. But I had to use wisdom and how to manage it. You see, my day off was usually spent with her, connecting with her, spending time with her. And so I had to really think smartly about this. How am I going to use the freedom that my wife has just given me? And I believe, I mean, it was a long time ago, but I believe I chose well. Uh, I chose wisely. So I want to read, if you have your Bibles, go to Colossians, book, book of Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read, starting in verse number 16. Now, this idea of freedom is something that I believe we often take for granted. Sorry, Colossians 2. We often take for granted we live in a very free country, a very free culture, 
And yet freedom, if mismanaged, can be very dangerous, can it? There are people today that you know who are free. They live in a free country and yet are in bondage to things in their lives. They're in bondage to something that has them hostage. It's got them in shackles. There's people at this very moment who I know, some people who have been in our church, who are now in jail, like literal jail. Why? Because they didn't manage the freedom that they had well. And so freedom is a good thing, but managing it with wisdom is an even better thing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's read Colossians chapter 3. Thank you. Colossians chapter 3, or why do I keep saying 3? Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse number 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. And not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all will perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And that ends chapter 2. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us today. God, on this Father's Day, thank you for fathers, for dads. I pray that you would give us wisdom to walk out the free life that you've given us. Lord, may we understand what it looks like to walk free truly in this world. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. And everybody said... Amen. So freedom can be a dangerous thing if it's not managed correctly. I want you to hear this today. We can walk free not by what we do, but what he already did. You see, you're free not because of your actions, but because of the actions of our Savior that he paid 2,000 years ago on the cross. That's why you're free. We can walk free because of him, not because of us. So I want to give you four keys to walk a free life. Number one. Don't sweat the judges. Everybody touch your neighbor and say, don't sweat them. Touch your neighbor and say, don't sweat them. Verse 16, Paul's writing, he says, let no one pass judgment on you. Questioning the food you eat, the things you drink, the day in which you worship, the Sabbath you uphold. We are in a culture today, and we live in a world, and the world has always been a place of judgment. We love to judge people, especially people we don't really know. But we even judge the people we know at times. What's happening here is they're still in Judaism or the practice of the law. So the Jews practiced and followed the law. But Jesus comes, says, I'm the fulfillment of the law. You're no longer bound by all these rules and regulations. You don't have to follow all these dietary processes. Um, You don't have to worship on a certain day of the week. But these teachers, these false teachers, are trying to pull in the Judaism and the law back into the church, the local church, the church following Jesus now. 
And so they're condemning them and judging them for eating certain foods, for drinking certain drinks. They're condemning them for worshiping on days not the Sabbath. Now, we're a church, we worship on Sunday, but in Judaism, the Sabbath was Saturday. So there's certain denominations that would say, if you don't worship on Saturday, you're not really following God. But again, Paul is trying to counter that and say, it doesn't matter when you worship, it just matters that you worship. It doesn't matter if you're not here on a Sunday. Maybe you go to community group on Wednesday because you weren't able to be here. That's worship. It's about being a people of worship, not about when we worship. But again, these teachers are trying to come in there saying, Lo, we're still bound by the law. We're still bound by these teachings of Judaism. I love the imagery that Paul writes here. He says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. A shadow of the things to come, the substance belongs to Christ. So I need some help today. Ralph, come on, buddy. Come up here. I need your help. Never sit close to me or I may bring you on stage. Ralph didn't know this was happening. Okay, Ralph, here's what I need you to do. Okay, stand right here. I need you to go grab my shadow. Just try. Try, try to grab my shadow, bro. Like, okay, you're covering my shadow. We're doing some Peter Pan stuff here, Ralph. Can you touch my shadow, Ralph? Can you feel it? You can't touch my shadow. You can't grab it. You can't feel it. Okay. Can you touch me? Okay. Can, can you feel me? Bro, Ralph, do you feel me? Ralph, can you give me a hug, bro? Come on. Give me a hug. So here's what I'm saying. Listen. The law is the shadow. That's what, that's what Paul's writing here. He says the law was the shadow, but Jesus is the substance. He's saying you're trying to follow the shadow of what was to come, and you're still going back to the shadow, but you can't really touch the shadow. You can't really grab the shadow, but Jesus is the substance, and you can touch him, and you can feel him, and you can connect. Ralph, touch me. And you can connect to him. (laughs) The substance is Jesus. But what was happening is they were going back to the shadow to what they couldn't touch when they had the substance right there. Give it up for Ralph. Come on. Jesus is the substance of God that we can grab hold of. And that's what Paul's writing to them. He's saying, listen, don't go back to these old practices, drink, saying you got to drink this, you can't eat this, you got to worship on this day. No, that was the shadow. But Jesus is now the substance, and in the, in the substance is freedom. Everybody say freedom. In Jesus, there is freedom. In the substance, there is freedom. Stephen De Silva says this, the challenge in liberty is learning to navigate in a way that does not return you to bondage. So there's a challenge in freedom, isn't there? In freedom, I believe in the church, here's what we do in freedom. We go in bondage in two ways. Number one, we go, I'm free, I have the grace of God on me, so I'm going to live however I want. I mean, I can fool around, I can mess around, I can cheat on my wife, I can, be a, a, I can have no character. Jesus' grace covers me, he forgives me. But what do we do? We actually put ourselves back in bondage to sin. Or we go the opposite way, and we try to live perfect. And then when we don't live perfect, we are defeated, discouraged, beat down, hopeless. You can't live perfect. Listen to me in this. We are prisoners to perfection because perfection already paid the price. You and I are not prisoners to perfection. 
Perfection already paid the price. His name is Jesus. He paid the price on the cross. Religion will tell you got to be perfect. Jesus will tell you I was the perfect one so you don't have to be. Walk in my freedom. So that's what we do. We put ourselves in bondage one way or the other. We say I'll live however I want or I got to live perfect. And if I don't, then I'm a failure. Jesus says I came because I knew you would fail. I love you even when you fail. Don't put yourself in bondage to the teachings or what people would say, the judgment that this world may put on you. Number one, don't sweat the judges. Number two, key to walk a free life. Don't allow wrong teachings to disqualify you. So I think that today and in the church I've seen where people disqualify themselves or they let other people disqualify them. And that's what's happening here. Let me read real quick. I'm going to recap it. Verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. Okay, that's pretty clear. Insisting on asceticism. Everybody say asceticism. Worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Now, what's asceticism? Most of you are probably asking that question. I had to ask it myself. I had to look it up. Asceticism is this. Severe self-discipline avoiding any form of indulgence or pleasure. Here's what religion does. Religion tries to sap the life out of life. Religion tries to take the joy out of following Jesus. Religion will try to take away everything that you have and say you have to live a less than life or or a, a life that doesn't enjoy anything. Why? Because if you really love God, then your life will be discouraging. If you really love, love God, then you're going to be depressed. So let me, let me go back. I would say that the early church had an assertion, and, and this even happened. I grew up in the church, okay? I'm a church kid. I'm a pastor's kid, so I definitely got more problems than y'all, okay? I grew up in the church, and I would say that there was an assertion in the early church, and going back 100 years, and here's what the early church said. If you enjoy it, if it's pleasurable, then it's sin. That's what the early church said. I would say especially 100 years ago. If you find any joy in it, then it's sin. Because we have to deny our flesh and take up our cross and follow him. And yet Jesus said, my burden is light. He said, my yoke is easy. We are called to live life and life to the fullest. That's what Jesus said. I came to give you life, life to the fullest. What asceticism is and the definition of it and what they were trying to encourage the early church here in Coloss with, they were saying, listen, if, if there's anything that is enjoyable, Any pleasure, you have to avoid it. You don't get to have it. You don't get to be a part of it. But we serve, how many know, we serve a good, good father. A good father that came to give us good gifts. He wants to lavish things upon us. He gave us families. He gave us jobs. He gave us dreams. He gave us pleasure in this world to enjoy as long as it's in the confines of what his word says. And so we must not deny any kind of pleasure. We must walk it out and say, thank you, God, for all the good things you've given me. For being a God that gives good gifts. Paul cautions them. He says, take heed of those who not only would push asceticism on you, that you don't get to enjoy anything, but also that would disqualify you because they talk to angels and they have visions. So what's happening is there are people in this church that are saying we're extra spiritual and all of you who aren't as spiritual as us, you need to step aside and let us lead. 
You need to step aside and let us minister. You need to step aside and let us lead the way in spirituality. Let me tell you something. The biggest spiritual giants in my life, they don't make me feel less spiritual. The greatest spiritual people in my life, they don't make me feel less than. In fact, they elevate me. They bring me to the platform. They open up doors and they say, let me bring you to my level. What was happening here is they're saying, you're not at our level, so you need to step aside. That's not what the church does. And that's not what I believe our church will do. Our church says, listen, you may be a baby Christian. You may be a a toddler Christian, you may be following Jesus for decades. Let me tell you something. There is a place for you and a purpose for you here in this church. God wants to use you right here and right now. And what Paul was saying to them, it says, God wants to use you. Don't let these extra spiritual people push you to the side. Now, I'm all for visions. I'm all for God speaking to certain people. But those who are spiritual giants, they don't step over you and on people. They bring you to their level. They say, let me bring you alongside. Let me show you how to walk this spiritual life out. Second key to walk a free life, don't allow wrong teachings to disqualify you. Third key to walk a free life is stay connected to what makes you truly grow. So I had the opportunity last October to play Pebble Beach for the first time. Bucket list for me. I love golf. I'm a big fan. Pebble Beach is, you know, one of the, the greatest golfing places in the world. In fact, the U.S. Open is finishing today. Next year, the U.S. Open is at Pebble Beach. And so I, I, in October, I got to go, and it was a fundraiser, and one of my friends invited me, and so I got to go for free. Come on, somebody. Free. God is good. All right? So so it's the morning of our golf round, and it's a tournament. It's a two-man best ball tournament. And I wake up super early, and I go down to eat breakfast, and it was hilarious because I'm, I'm ready to go like four hours before my round. And he walk, comes walking down like two minutes after me, my partner. I'm like, bro, why are you up already? He's like, bro, I'm ready to go. I'm like, let's do this. So we ate breakfast super quick, and then we're like, let's go hit balls. So we drive. We start the drive down. We're like, let's take the scenic route. We're early. So we take the 17-mile drive. If you've never done the 17-mile drive, you need to do it. It is one of God's most amazing uh, images and creation. So take 17-mile drive. So we're driving down. The rock, rocks and the, the ocean is breaking on the rocks. There's no wind. There's no clouds. The sun is out. I'm like, bro, this is the most amazing day ever. We're five minutes out from Pebble Beach, and I say to him, I say, bro, the only thing that would make this day better is if we saw Tiger Woods today. And he just laughs, and he's like, come on, dude, we're not going to see Tiger Woods. That's hilarious, though. So we drive the rest of the way. We pull into the Pebble Beach driving range parking lot, and there's one other car in the parking lot, one car in us. It's early. We pull in. We park about three spots down from this other car. We get our stuff. I climb out of the car, and I go to walk towards the driving range, and walking to that car, him and one other person, I'm talking about The fourth row back there, that's how far he is from me, is Tiger Woods. I spoke it out, y'all, word of faith, let's go. Tiger Woods, I am in shock. And, like, I'm not a fanboy, but Tiger Woods, I went straight fanboy. I'm like, Tiger, Tiger, it's me, it's me, Caleb. No, I I didn't say that. But I did go, Tiger, Tiger, what's up, bro? And he says, what's up, fellas? Climbed in his car, and that was it. I was so shocked. I didn't even pull out my phone. I was like freaking out. I was in a panic. So he drives off. I go, me and my buddy, I mean, we're like 
we're floating, right? We floated to the driving range. I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life after my wedding and my three kids being born. And, and we start to hit balls. And, I mean, I'm hitting everything perfect. Every ball's perfect. We go out to the, to the course for our round, and we completely fall apart. We put up the most horrible score. I think we were like third to last of the whole tournament, like 40 golfers. We're in last place. And I'm like, man, what happened? Let me tell you something. Seeing Tiger did not transfer to my golf game. Why? Because Tiger could not be a source for my skill. Being able to even touch Tiger, if I had been able to walk over and be like, Tiger, let me shake your hand, it wouldn't have transferred to my golf game. Why? Because there's no way for Tiger Woods to be the source of my golf game. But I wanted to tell you, when we stay connected to what truly makes us grow, we have a source in Jesus Christ. He is the source that will help us grow. He is the source that will fill us up. We have to stay connected. That's what it says in verse number 19. It says, and not holding fast, and it's talking about these people who are prideful and pushing asceticism. He says, and they're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. He says, you know how you grow? By being connected to Jesus. Let me read it in the message because I love how it puts it. It says, they're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who put us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. It is through Jesus that we grow, being connected to the head. Here's what I think. I think a lot of us are carrying around the luggage of our past and our sin. Josh, where, where'd you go, Josh? He's going to help me. Can you bring that luggage up for me? Ralph, I need your help again. Come back up here, bro. It's not just once. It's twice. Ralph is back. Ralph, what I want you to do, I want you to try to carry all this luggage at once. I want you to try to pick it all up. All right, let's see how many bags you can carry at one time. Come on, Ralph, I believe in you, bro. Like, I know you travel a lot. I know you carry all Nicole's bags for her. So, so, so show me what you got, bro. Okay. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Stay there, Ralph. No, no, hold it up as long as you can. Hold on. I think that a lot of us, we've heard this idea of freedom, or maybe you've never heard it, but a lot of us, are in bondage to our past and our sin, and we're walking around with baggage. Some of you got baggage in here. And you can't let go of the sin of your past or the sin in your life, and you wonder why you're not able to love your wife well or love your husband well. You're not able to be the father you want to be or the friend you want to be, and it's because some of us are bound up. We're trying to go through life. I mean, could Ralph do much in life if he was always carrying this? No. He couldn't do much if this was his life. If everywhere he went, he had bags on bags. And he's trying to go through life with bags on bags. There's not much he can do. And some of us, were in bondage to our sin. We're in bondage to our past. And God is saying, I came to give you a free life, but we're walking around like this. And it's time to lay our luggage, our baggage, at the foot of the cross. And say, Jesus... I want to give it to you. Set me free. Ralph, put it down, bro. 
and go back to your seat. I'm going to try to stand there, though. We got to stay connected to what truly makes us grow. Connected to Jesus. So, so I, I read the passage and, and I thought about what does it mean to hold fast to the head and the head being Jesus? How do you hold fast to the head? And here's what I think. The head is a part of the body. So if you're going to hold fast to the head, you have to be connected to and grab hold of the body, which is the church. So this matters. Did you know this matters? Like you being here this matters. You being in a community group, being in community with other believers, it matters. Why? Because it's a way of holding fast to and being connected to the body, the church. He didn't mean for you to go through life alone. He meant for you to do it in community. He meant for us to grow together. We need the church. Second, we need to walk in the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. By connected, when I say hold fast to the head, I mean, or what Paul, when Paul said that, I mean hold fast to the grace that even though you have sin and some of you got baggage, and if I could see you in another realm right now, some of you would be carrying a lot of this, that God's grace is still on you. And that some of you, it's time to let go of it and lay it down. To put it down at the foot of the cross and say, I'm done with this. But we're still in bondage. God is saying, be connected to the grace that I have. I cover your sin. I cover your mistakes. I forgive you of your past. And then third, we got to be led, holding fast to the head means being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, it's better that I'm leaving because one is coming that's going to dwell within you and give you power. Do you know you have power because Jesus is in your life? The Spirit of God is in you and he gives you power to walk out this life. And that power looks like wisdom. And that power looks like direction. And that power looks like clarity. And that power looks like words of encouragement over the people in your life. Let the Spirit of God fill you up. Why? Because when we have the Spirit, when we're connected to the head, we live this life the way we're meant to live it. Fourth and finally today, if Chrissy would come back on the keys. Keys to walk a free life. Is walk out a relationship, not religion. Walk out of relationship, not religion. Brennan Manning said this, how is it then that we've come to imagine that Christianity consists primarily in what we do for God? How has this come to be the good news of Jesus? So if you were paying attention when I read verse 20 through 23, Paul says to them, he says, look, don't Submit to the regulations. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these physical things, these physical actions. He says in verse 23, he says, They have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Everybody say religion. He says they're promoting self-made religion. So I said it at the beginning, and I think that some of us were in bondage like this. But I also think some of us here today are in bondage to religion. Ralph, one more time. Get up here. You ain't done, bro. You ain't done. Josh, bring it up. We got one more thing for you to do. We got a weight vest for you to wear. Josh is going to put this weight vest on you. Can you put these on your wrists? I think that's 25 pounds. You got this, Ralph. 
Josh, put these on his ankles too. Put this on your other wrist. There we go. Josh is going to gear you up. So I want you to see this, this imagery. Some of us are walking around like this. We got all these bags and it's baggage of sin. Our past, our present sin, we can't lay it down at the foot of the cross. And, and a lot of you are not free because of the sin in your life. And I believe God wanted to tell you today to lay it down. To lay it down at the foot of the cross. Let go of your baggage. Let go of your past. But I believe this symbolizes religion. Because it's not as bulky as luggage. It's more streamlined than luggage. It actually looks like, man, that, that works. That makes sense. But it's still weight. Because we're weighing ourselves down with the reality that we have to be perfect. Ralph, do, do a burpee for me. You don't know what a burpee is? You know, like jump and a push up. There we go. Okay, now, now jump up. Come on, Ralph, jump. Jump straight up. Hands in the air. There we go. Okay, now take it off. Take it off. Take, take off the ankles and the wrists. Do it. Take it off. Take it off. There we go. There we go. Now try it again. Jump. How did that feel? Much easier. This is what we've done. This is religion. It looks clean. It doesn't look as bulky. It looks streamlined. But some of us are still walking around with this mindset that we have to be perfect and we have weight on us holding us back. Go, Ralph. Go be free. I'm done with you. For sure this time. Religion is about rules. Jesus is about a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. There are churches, sects of Christianity, that would try to put burdens of do's and don'ts on you. The burden of a list of rules and regulations. Now I want you to hear me in this. We do good things as followers of Jesus. We avoid sin in our life as followers of Jesus. We obey the commands of scripture as followers of Jesus. But we do it because not so. You hear me? We follow the word of God. We walk in holiness. We walk in righteousness. We walk in obedience because Jesus already paid the price for us. Not so he loves us. We walk holy lives because God loves us right now, right how we are in the middle of our mess. Not so hopefully one day he'll love us if I'm good enough, if I'm perfect enough, if I'm holy enough. No, we walk out good things and good deeds and right living because, not so, because our sin reaches far. It does. Our sin affects far. Our sin reaches far. But listen to me here today, church. Our sin may reach far, but the grace of Jesus Christ reaches even farther. It reaches further than any sin could ever reach. We got to walk in the freedom of the grace of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be perfect. We aren't prisoners to perfection because perfection already paid the price on the cross. Jesus paid the price. I think in this room, some of you are in both camps. You're, some of you are in this camp, some of you are in this camp. Some of you are walking, not a free life, a bound up life, a burden life because of sin. Present sin, past sin, you got baggage, you got luggage, and it's time to lay it down. 
It's time to let go. But some of you are in this camp, the camp of religion. You've been trying to be perfect, and you wonder why you're always failing. You wonder why you always feel less than. You wonder why you always feel discouraged. You wonder why you always feel defeated. It's because you can't be perfect. The perfect one paid the price to cover and make you perfect. It's time for us to walk free. Some of you need to lay this down. Some of you need to lay this down. Would you bow your heads with me?